Hi everyone and welcome to episode 47 of the Impeco podcast. Um, this is with Nicole Dan, who is the Chief Operating Officer at Revio. Um, you'll get to meet and hear Nicole shortly. Um, it is an absolute pleasure to have you here with us uh, as the listener community. We want to thank you for always listening and engaging with the podcast and the platform. Um, we've recently launched the Impact Collective, which you would have heard about, and this is you know, part of that collective podcast that we will be continuing on uh, for the Impact Co community. Um, but without further ado, let me say good morning to you, Nicole. How are you doing this morning? Yeah, hey, Tafa. It's great to be here. Fantastic, fantastic. And thank you so much for you know, being part of the pod and, you know, uh, really taking taking us through your journey and uh, which has been an inspirational journey no doubt i think you know for the listeners just to get to know you a little bit you know why did you tell us a little bit about yourself you know where did you grow up um you know where are you currently as well sure um i'm based in cape town which is where i was born um my parents at the time were both medical students finalizing up their last years of study uh, so come from a very traditional home where entrepreneurship wasn't necessarily the norm or embraced. I was very fortunate when I was about three to move to the UK. My dad got an opportunity to do a bursary there to finish his specialization. And it was a really impactful diversion at a very formative age for me where I got to see a different version of reality. And because you know, we didn't have money in the UK. Uh, we moved around all these different council houses. I got to go to these schools where, ironically, it was a lot more diverse than the typical South Africa that I would have experienced. So a lot of the kids in my class were from places like Pakistan. And I had very diverse peers for those two years that we were there. And it inspired in me this questioning spirit when I came back two years later to go, why does this country and city look like this? This doesn't make sense. It's Africa. And so from that very young age, I've questioned the way that things are and tried to find a way to make them better for everyone. It's it's fascinating how our experiences, you know, shape our perspectives, right? I think that's really fascinating, and I'm quite keen to dig into how, you know, all of this has has shaped your perspective as an individual, you know. And and maybe let's let's get to know you a little bit more. Um, you know, let's go a little bit fast forward a little bit in your journey. Tell me a little bit about your study choices, right? Um, you know, what led you to study what you studied? You and I studied at the same university. I also studied in, in Cape Town lovely place. <laughs> uh, but yeah, quite curious to know, you know, what led to your study choices? Yeah, I think it's a little bit crazy that we expect people to know, or to make these big decisions when you're so young. Uh, so I actually think, you know, I would have made a great engineer, and I would have loved studying engineering. And so it's great that you knew, you knew about that when you were deciding what to study, but I had no idea that engineering really even existed or if as a girl, you know, I would be allowed into the class. Um, so my parents, as I say, super traditional. My mom said, go be a lawyer. You're great at arguing. You're very passionate about human rights. My dad said, you're really good at maths. Go be an actuary, get a good job. And neither of those things appealed to me at all. And mm. 
I was just lucky, I suppose, that I'd started public speaking or debating when I was in school and ended up doing it competitively, uh, had the great privilege of representing South Africa and touring globally uh, at various competitions. And a lot of the coaches were university students, and most of them had studied something called a PPE, uh, which was politics, philosophy, and economics. And so I kind of looked around and thought, well, these smart people that I admire and seem to end up at good jobs or interesting places once they finish studying all studied this degree. So I'm going to go out and study this degree and, and see what happens. And yeah. I'm so grateful I made that choice because it was a fantastic foundation, really honed my problem-solving skills, gave me an interdisciplinary skill set, but it was very much not, I'm going to study this to get this type of job. It was more, here are people I admire, let me emulate their choices and hopefully that'll work out. Fascinating, right? And I think it's it's a choice of, of degree that it's, it opens your horizons, um, you know, both, you know, metaphorically and, and, and in terms of your perspective, but also literally, right? You can you can jump to anything after that. Um, certainly, you know, I, I, just listening to you speak, you definitely would have made a good engineer. <laughs> so even if you still want to hop to that, you still can. Um, I, I, I think, you know, obviously you, you mentioned, you know, as, as young people and, and you're someone who's, who's had quite a, quite a, a rapid career progression uh, to date. I'm quite curious, you know, and, and I'm quite curious, you know, what, when you're not building or advising businesses or startups, you know, what are you actually doing for fun? What do you do to, to sort of unwind or, or switch off? Um, I mean, I think I'm pretty normal in that regard, right? I love hanging out with friends, having interesting conversations, meeting new people, uh, taking advantage of Cape Town's mountains, hiking, going to the beach, um, and yeah. traveling, of course, is something that's really special to me, getting to see more of the world and not being confined arbitrarily to the place I was born. Uh, so yeah. those are some of the ways I I unwind. And I've had, uh, you know, funny experiences with some of my previous colleagues who, you know, have challenged yeah. me to relax. I remember my boss giving me, when I was consulting, a task for the weekend, which was go buy some jeans because you never <laughs> take off your work clothes. And I was in you know, Mozambique or Zanzibar. And I was going around interviewing mobile money agents because I was just fascinated yeah. uh, by how this new financial instrument works. So it's something I've had to practice over time is switching off and I'm, I'm still not great at it, but uh, those are some of the ways I'm, I'm trying to be better. Yeah, and look, I, there's few better places to switch off than Cape Town, right? I think uh, <laughs> if you really think about it, there's few better places to try and, and switch off, I think. Um, you know, for some of us who, who live up north, you know, it is quite difficult to try and switch off in the hustle and bustle. You know, you, you tend to, to always want to be busy and to always want to do something to be productive. But actually, sometimes the most productive thing you can do is actually just rest, right, and and recuperate again. So thanks for, for giving us some of those tips of some of the things that you do as well. So let's let's dig into unlocking entrepreneurial potential in Africa, right? And I love your mission, which I read, you know, on, on your LinkedIn page, you know, to, to unlock the unrealized entrepreneurial potential in Africa. I, I think that's such a powerful, you know, mission statement. That's such a powerful cause. I, you know, I'd really love for you to unpack that. You know, tell us a little bit more about that. 
Yeah, I think growing up in South Africa, you very quickly appreciate that opportunity isn't fairly allocated. And something that's always driven me is that ingenuity is everywhere, but that opportunity isn't. And from Absolutely. what I've seen traveling on the continent, that's that's completely true elsewhere as, as well. You know, there is some amazing innovation taking place in countries all over the continent that doesn't get the same recognition or capital or resources yeah. that companies in more developed markets do. And that's a real shame because the kind of businesses that are being built on the continent are businesses that really can change lives, that can change economies. And so that is what I have chosen to dedicate my life to. I want to ensure that any entrepreneur, any individual who has an idea that is viable, that can make a positive impact on the world, that can create a commercially sustainable business is one that can get access to the right people, the right resources, the right expertise, and to help those people themselves combat any self-limiting beliefs that maybe hold them back yeah. from even stretching to realize that potential. Um, so that's really that's really where it comes from. I think the other thing is, you know, I had this debate when I was younger. Do you go into something like the public sector? Do you go into politics? And yeah. for me, it was really intentional about looking at where I thought the most sustainable kind of growth could come from. And for me, that quite clearly became business and more specifically entrepreneurship. So with a lot of the challenges that have happened locally, we've thought a lot about redistribution in South Africa, but we need net new growth to really excel as a country. And uh, that's where I think the government's been a little bit deficient. And so encouraging new business, new entrepreneurial ventures is really the way that we are going to be able to increase the standard of living and reduce inequality across the board. And, and that, that impact is exponential, right? I mean, it, it, it truly is. It's not a, a linear, you know, N equals out. It really, you know, the, the efforts and, and the work that you're doing is far reaching, not only to the entrepreneur and their employees, but, you know, the entrepreneur's families, the employees' families, their family of families, you know, it, it really is, it really is something that, 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 upscales, upskills, you know, in, improves people's lives in terms of how they how they live, how they operate on a day-to-day -day basis. So I, I, I truly do support that, you know, in terms of trying to unlock that that potential. And and I think on the basis of what you've said, in that it is something that's not necessarily equally distributed. I think it's quite relevant as well. You know, and 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 that is the premise under which all of this is is really to be to be to be formed. I'm quite curious. You, you obviously work with, you know, tons of entrepreneurs, you know, in, 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 in Africa in general. What, what makes a good entrepreneur? So, I mean, if it, you could boil it down to sort of three traits, you know, what, what, would make, what would make a good entrepreneur? It's an interesting question because I've seen such diversity in the types of entrepreneurs and some are subject matter experts, some are generalists, you know, some are really academic specialists in a certain area. But if I look at the underlying traits, I think the first is curiosity, the ability to break with convention and imagine a different way of doing things, a different future, a willingness to learn new things, uh, resourcefulness. You're obviously in a very resource constrained environment, especially at the beginning and being creative and being able to draw on 
your network or inspire other people to come along the journey with you and, and finding new ways to do things in a, uh, you know, a way that doesn't require a lot of capital up front. And then yeah. the third one would be decisiveness. I think the conviction, the ability to make difficult decisions and stand by them. You know, there's no yeah. room for bureaucracy in an entrepreneurial venture. Uh, and you're not always going to be right as a founder, but you have to be able to make those calls and and to do so quickly. I love that. And I think that's where a lot of people sort of get hung up is, is, is you know, in terms of not making decisions quickly enough, you know, and, and uh, you know, we talk of, you know, so many theories around that, you know, fail fast, you know, if you, if you, you'd rather make a decision and if it's wrong, you learn from it, you move on, you know, rather than uh, indecision, which also is a decision as well, you know, in and of itself. I, I, I'm curious if we had to sort of reverse that question slightly, right? Um, what, what do you think causes most businesses to stagnate? So most sort of startups to stagnate, what, what would cause that stagnation? Look, of course, especially in some of the markets uh, I've I've operated in, there is a lack of access to capital that can prohibit good businesses from growing and finding the right talent uh, that's willing to leave a comfortable corporate job, especially with, you know, the context that people come from on the continent. You know, it's there's no safety net. And so telling people to risk it all is really quite a profound thing to ask them to do. But if we put those constraints aside, I think first is a lack of focus, uh, trying to do too much all at once. And, you know, if something's not working, instead of trying to diagnose why that's not working, fix that, you know, trying uh, maybe another product or another market, you know, to all at once. Uh, and that can lead to just scattered, uh, scattered work that doesn't amount to any kind of real progress um, you know, embracing structured experimentation to find out what customers really want is the way I think that entrepreneurs yeah. can build themselves out of that kind of place. Um, other things I've seen are, you know, when a founding team can't let go. Uh, so this is their baby. They can't delegate and trust, you know, and, and have the humility to bring in people who are maybe smarter than them or better at them than the role that they've performed in that company from the very beginning. Uh, that's that's dangerous, and that applies to even you know your standard small businesses that aren't necessarily in the tech space, uh, and as well you know weak operations, weak systems and controls. You can get to a certain level of traction uh, without having any processes in place, any kind of structure, any kind of corporate governance. But when you're really looking to go from the one to one hundred part of scale. Uh, those structures become really important to ensure that your growth is sustainable over time. Absolutely. And I think th those are some really key points for anybody building a business, you know, to really look out for, um, you know, to, to avoid, but also to, to, to try and work towards resolving some of those issues. And I think you spoke about delegation. It's quite, a, it's quite an important thing, you know, to, to, to be able to let go and to be able to bring in good people people who can challenge you, people who can challenge your thinking, people who can take, you know, the business to the next level. Nicole, as a, as a final question, I want to ask you, um, how do you make an impact in your world? It's an interesting question. And I think for me, I've always tried to start with my immediate sphere of influence. So 
you know, as a little girl, I really wanted to change the world. And that becomes a really big, scary thing when you grow up and you realize how much is wrong in the world. You know, it can yeah, exactly. become almost this insurmountable task. And I think a lot of people who were similar growing up become kind of disillusioned and cynical. So yeah. for me, I've always tried to start with my sphere of influence. Can I be impactful in the relationships I have around me, whether that is just in you know, an interaction with a cashier or, you know, with someone who reaches out to me on LinkedIn looking for support or advice. Yeah. And then secondly is intentionally choosing how I spend my time and money. So I've been quite intentional about the career choices I've made to focus on becoming a valuable resource to the entrepreneurial community previously yeah. in venture capital, now as a founder, uh, trying to you know, do this myself and, and hopefully serve as a, a useful soundboard to other people who are looking to do the same. Uh, and as much as possible at every opportunity, lifting others up and being really authentic and honest about the challenges that we face and, and helping to shape the playbook about what building a business looks like in Africa and, and advocating for that on a global stage. Yeah. And I think, look, you, you are doing fantastic work and, and you are, really you know living your mission which is you know around unlocking that potential and and realizing that potential as well right and and i think you know anybody who has listened to this has been inspired and impacted um and hopefully has been educated as well in terms of what makes a good entrepreneur um i certainly have you know listening to you has been quite quite a pleasure and a joy and so nicole i i, I want to thank you uh, for coming on to the impact Code podcast i hope you have enjoyed our, our chat um it flew by actually <laughs> um, you know and i hope it was it was a fantastic experience for you as well so thank you very much thanks so much for having me tafa it's been great fantastic and to you the listener from nicole and myself we want to say thank you for once again engaging with the podcast we want to thank you for uh, listening in to this episode we encourage you to subscribe to share it with your sphere of influence let them also be inspired and impacted uh, by the words from nicole and the wonderful lessons she shared as well as the wonderful tips as well uh, for all entrepreneurs across uh, within the african sphere so from Nicole and myself, we want to say thank you very much and goodbye.